This is Broadcaster Golf Papa 6, Bravo Echo Alpha at Kilo Charlie 4, Triple Alpha, Double Alpha Foxtrot. Hey folks, Bryn at McMurdo Station again. Again. This is becoming a regular occurrence for us, isn't it? Of course, I was doing this before, I guess, but I think I'm doing it way more often now. Partly because it's giving me something to do, and partly because everyone at the station wants me to. We've got other radios too, but those are pretty much all for official use. We have to use them in specific ways so nothing gets confusing. This radio, on the other hand, well, I can use it to gather more information from less formal sources. Like you all. I'm probably going to be teaching others to use this over the next couple weeks in case something happens to me. Not that we think something will, just a good idea to cover all our bases. Don't expect a lot of new voices anytime soon, I'm sure you all remember how much work it is to learn. We're all pretty used to advanced technology down here, but radios aren't advanced. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite problem the general public has. Everyone else would need to get up to speed on technology and math. Down here, we're so overeducated that we're going to need to take a step back and remember our remedial physics classes. I don't think I need to remind any of you that some level of physics knowledge is helpful for hams, but maybe astrophysics and meteorology are a bit too advanced. On top of that, Everyone down here is so busy, who knows how often we'll be able to fit in lessons. I'm sure you're aware the situation around the world is getting more and more dire. Earthquakes are spreading, apparently. They're not just centered around coasts anymore, they've been easing inland on every continent. And tsunamis are becoming more frequent. Probably because there's so many earthquakes. We haven't had any down here yet, luckily, but I don't want to get too optimistic. Antarctica isn't known for earthquakes, though they do happen from time to time. Tsunamis aren't very likely, but we're seeing them in all sorts of unexpected places these days. It's a never-say-never never sort of situation for the entire world right now. And all we can do is run drills in case something does happen. There's no way to get to a really safe place, but we can do our best. We've made some email contact with people in Europe and Asia and parts of Oceania. Nothing from Africa or the Americas yet which means that there's been nothing from Los Angeles. Nothing from my family in New England, either. Uh, 
I'm... I'm getting more worried. And I was worried before, so that's a lot of worry. I'm not sure what to do with it, this feeling. I've been keeping myself as busy as possible. I've been focusing on helping others. I've been doing what I can, and I don't think there's a lot more ways I can distract myself. Aaron said something about sitting with your feelings, but that's hard. They're overwhelming. I do want to do this the right way, but sitting with it isn't helpful. Not right now. I need something, anything to hold on to. When I concentrate and allow this uncertainty to take root, I start to become useless. This isn't the time to break down. We still have a lot to work on. So, I'm going to find more things to do and hope I can keep myself occupied until the time to break down actually presents itself. <sighs> wow, that got way more personal than I expected it to. It's hard to remember that this isn't my diary sometimes. I want the people listening to hear this, but... It seems like I'm speaking to no one here when I'm giving you all updates. I do really hope I'm not speaking into the ether and it's going nowhere. But without another person responding, it's just tough to keep in mind that I have an audience, you know? I do have some good news. The crew from Scott Base got here. They brought a whole heap of supplies with them, and we've put everything together. There's more back at their base that they couldn't bring with them. We can always go back and get it if it comes down to it. Let's hope it doesn't come down to it. They're here though, and that's given everyone a little jolt of serotonin. Not a lot, but we were all pretty low there for a while so we all kind of glommed onto their arrival as a good sign. Any port in the storm, as it were. We're planning a party for them, something festive, but not too resource-intensive. We have to figure out a way to strike a balance between feeling good and not being wasteful. Celebrations tend towards extravagance. Not really something you notice until you start trying to conserve things. At the same time, you try to get people excited about living again. It's a nice juxtaposition, but hey, at least we're trying to do both. Speaking of, Aaron thought my socializing idea was good and has been helping me organize events, which is also serving to boost morale. We haven't done a lot yet, but... There was karaoke last night. It was a little tough to get everyone singing at first, but as the night wore on, they got more into it. It didn't hurt that I arranged for drinks. Maybe that's cheating. And we probably don't want to rely too heavily on alcohol as a source of happiness while we're trying to get through this. But I decided it was probably worth it. Just this once. 
Drinking is like a continent-wide pastime down here. Or was. We're rationing that too. Just like everything else. We also got together as a group and agreed that maybe we should slow down now that everything is what it is. It's going to be harder for some of us to cut back than others. But we all have to live here together and we can't really have people slipping into alcohol-related depression. Not when there's enough situational depression going around to power a small city. I do wonder if we were fast enough with the alcohol thing, though. There's a few more people who have joined Sahil in his writing and staring, or whatever you want to call what they're doing. I don't know how else to explain it. They're not exactly grouped together. They're all on their own throughout the station, and some of them are drawing rather than writing, but yeah, essentially the same thing. They're all withdrawn. They're not talking to anyone. Not a lot, anyway. And they're just working on... Well, if what Sahil's been sharing with me is any indication, they're all just working on nonsense. Vaguely menacing, grim, and ominous nonsense. But nonsense nonetheless. I did get another note from Sahil. I hesitate to share it because, like I said, I don't think it means anything. I hope it doesn't mean anything. He seemed so insistent when he gave it to me, though. It definitely matters to him that I read what he's writing. I don't know if I should give these notes airtime. They're far from masterpieces, and they all leave me with a bad taste in my mouth. But maybe I should. Hmm. Why not? What's it going to hurt? I'm starting to think that sharing the load is the way to get through this anyways. Okay, here it goes. The darkness is closing in on a cage of our own making. The movements of the world are unparalleled in their ability to bring us closer. The heat is rising, and with it comes something so unexpected, it's impossible. It threatens all. We don't have the tools, but we're starting to learn. It's becoming clearer, but still so obscured. It's incogitable. Don't try to understand. You will. You won't. Nothing can be done. The flow is working. It's too late. The ancient and the new work in tandem, long forgotten and never conceived, growing together all stronger, all the more, more. Unending, never dies, gathers in our sins, exploitative, to our detriment, we will not make it through. Uh, yeah, I regret doing that. There's absolutely no way this says anything useful. It can't, but it scares me regardless. Sahil wrote this. Why? 
What on earth does it mean? Does he know? It seems like he does. It's too bad he's not communicating well right now. He really needs help. Aaron told me she's tried to engage him a few times since the accident. He's completely ignored her. He sort of talked to her the first time she approached him, but was insisting he was fine their whole session. After that was when his condition started to worsen. It's been almost two weeks since he said a word to anyone who wasn't me. She can't help someone like that. She said she's not equipped to deal with nonverbal people. It's irrelevant whether or not she's capable of helping someone as disturbed as he clearly is if he won't say a word to her. Well, there goes that idea. I totally understand her position and completely respect it, but it's a huge bummer. I can't... I don't have the skills to do anything to help him myself, and he obviously needs help. But since he is talking to me, I'll ask Aaron if she has any tips she can give me. I realize that I'm missing a huge portion of her training, and it's not like she can just give me a graduate degree in psychology overnight, especially given that it would be in fields she's not accustomed to. But she clearly knows something she can tell me. It's better than what I have going for me right now. Sahil's just not in a good place, and he's my friend. If I can do anything to get him to another better place, I want to try. But anyway, I'll bet you're wondering what's going on with the meteorites. I don't blame you. I am too. And here's some more distressing news. So are Andrea and Naveed. Yeah, you heard that right. The meteorite experts don't know what's going on with the meteorites. Um, uh, let's do this again. This is broadcaster Golf Papa 6 Bravo Echo Alpha at Kilo Charlie 4 Triple Alpha Double Alpha Foxtrot. When I tried to get them to explain why to me, they were incredibly evasive. They didn't want to share precisely what was going on, which, okay, that's fair. We are apparently all looking at new kinds of data that we can't explain. Naveed did say that the properties are incorrect. He immediately said that they have to be wrong. Then he said that they are running more tests and working on their equipment because something has to be off with it. He'll let me know when they have a better picture of what they're looking at. He said the meteorites are different than usual, while also being the same. Because it's incredibly helpful when a stressed out expert gives you a vague non-answer like that. Which, given everything else that's going on, is not precisely what I would like to be dealing with. I'm suddenly starting to understand why the rest of the world hates scientists. <sighs> what else is going on? Well, on the topic of malfunctioning equipment, the Kekere telescope is still futzing up. 
When I first brought this up to the people still at Amundsen Scott Station, they immediately double-checked my work and, yeah, it really looks like a bunch of stars have shifted their positions. It's only in one slice of space, though. Everywhere else, things look like they always have been. The stars are where they should be. It's something about the telescopes in just these coordinates that's glitching. So far, they haven't found anything wrong with any specific receivers or pixels, but the overwhelming agreement is that something must be failing. Even more pressing is the fact that this is an awful time for that to happen. Basically, my project has been put on hold for the time being. I spend most of my days writing code based on the data that comes directly from that telescope, converting that data into useful images. Without any of that raw data, I don't have the bulk of my job to do. Which isn't to say I don't have things to do. There's a lot of equipment to take care of here at McMurdo, for example, but it does necessitate that the way I spend my days needs to be switched up. In the absence of my own project, I have started writing code for other coordinates. In this case, I'm not looking for any new planets or anything just focusing on getting everything converted into usable chunks so that the scientists who need it can get a head start on their own projects. When everything gets back to normal. And it will. Even if it takes months, it's going to happen. It has to. We're going to be okay. I've been saying that a lot. That we'll be okay. It's true this time, though. I mean, I, I can't predict when or how these things are going to turn around, but it seems inevitable that they will. Our equipment will get fixed, our jobs will realign, we'll be able to get home, and we'll get in contact with those we care most about. Right? Right. Now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about something a little lighter. I mentioned the karaoke from last night. That was the best time I think anyone down here has had since the plane failed to arrive. Or since the earthquake. We didn't have a great night then. So, maybe it's the best time any of us have had since then. Anyway, Hudson and I got to spend some time together. We've been working pretty closely when I'm not doing this radio stuff, but we haven't really been talking. For those who only started listening recently, Hudson and I worked together at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory near Los Angeles. We came down here together and he actually went to Amundsen Scott Station where he worked directly with the same Kekere telescopes that are giving us so much grief right now. I stayed here to work with the data he and others collected. There isn't a telescope here at the moment. There's sometimes what's called the BLAST, Balloon-Born Large Aperture Submillimeter Telescope, but that's a huge project between a number of universities and institutions. They're years in the making, and as far as I know, there aren't any plans for one anytime soon. So, no telescope here. But, Hudson is a great astronomer. He's been going over all my code when I finish it so that I can be sure I did it right. It was... All pretty much work until last night. Now, I would consider him a friend. Back home, we would have lunch together frequently. And we've been to each other's houses. It's just that we haven't felt very friendly lately. 
I certainly don't hold his anti-socialness against him, but I was a bit worried I was driving a wedge between us or something. But last night at karaoke was good. We laughed together. I even convinced him to sing with me. Nothing special, just under pressure. It was nice. We both managed to talk about things back home without clamming up or getting too upset. It was really nice. Not sure how often we're going to get a time like that, but today when we sat down to work, things felt easier. More like old times. Eve volunteered to be one of the people who learns the radio, so we'll be doing even more together. At some point you'll get to meet him too. There's five volunteers, by the way. Aside from Hudson, there's Maddie, Gilma, Willow, and Harper. It'll be a while before you hear any of them, like I said. Beyond the learning curve, we all have a lot to do on our own, which will slow the lessons down. But you can expect to meet them eventually. Not gonna lie, I'm a little excited to teach people things. I was a TA in school. I would like to think I'm good at it. It'll be a good experience. And it's social, so I won't be sitting in this room all by myself listening to the world on the losing end of nature much longer. Then we'll all be sitting in the room listening to the world on the losing end of nature, but it will be swell to spread the despair around. We can all shoulder the burden. And I'll have help figuring out how to soften the blows when I report any bad news back to the station. I've... I've been talking to Harper more. It's lovely. They said they missed our conversations. I don't blame them. Our conversations have always been good. I've learned a lot from them over the course of the year. I'd like to think that they've learned a lot from me too. They had been hoping to move to LA, in part to be closer to me, but I guess that's on pause right now. Like everything else. They're right. We should keep getting together. We should keep talking. So, that's what we decided to do. We talked. We've been seeing each other whenever we can afford to take a break. We even hung around with Hudson and I last night. Granted, that hardly counts. A lot of us were there, and we all were sort of mingling together. But... It was three of us for a good portion of the night. Now that I'm thinking about it, I am in a better mood today. I'm definitely not okay. There's still too much happening. But between Harper, Hudson, and karaoke, and talking with Aaron, I think I might be able to get through this without entirely falling down the rabbit hole and succumbing to all this anxiety. That's far more important than I realized. I didn't see how out of control I was feeling until I was letting loose. Or rather, until I was talking about how it felt to let loose. Guess I was right about how important socializing is. That's not to say I'd forgotten my family. Or Addison. I want confirmation that they're okay. It's in the back of my mind, the whole time, for sure. Along with a yawning pit of despondency waiting to swallow me whole. 
I know I said it wasn't time before, but I think it is now. If you have contacts in Los Angeles, you might know where to find Addison Wells. Can you please find a way to reach out to them? Can you please let me know if anything has happened? We live in Burbank, if that helps. Even if your contacts can't find them, just knowing what's happened in that area might go a long way towards making me feel better. Or worse. But either way, I would like to know. And for another long shot, if you know anyone who has a way to get any information out of Providence, Rhode Island, my family lives there. The Alcotts. Like I said, any news at all. Good. Bad. Somewhere in between. I just need it to be true. I am a little worried that if I get news about those I care about, everyone else down here will be clamoring for me to use this radio to get news for them too. And I don't think there's any way we can learn what we need to know. Maybe though. Maybe. I'll think about it. Maybe if others learn how to operate this, if we can have somebody here 24 hours a day, maybe we can try to find something for everyone. It won't be easy, but I know how hard it is not knowing. I don't want to tell anyone, no, we can't do that for you. Not when they're all hurting like I know they have to be. Like we all are. So, uh, expect more requests like this soon. Sorry. I know all of you out there are probably also dealing with your own crap, but, yeah. I know a lot of amateur radio operators learn to do this in case of an apocalypse, so we might be some of the best prepared people in the world. I'm begging you. If you can put that to good use, please do. We'll be forever in your debt. On that note, let's get back to how awful things are down here. These conversations with Harper have been mostly helping, but there is one way they didn't. I brought up the wind thing to them. I thought it would be a great way to break the ice and we could laugh about how silly it was. We didn't. If anything, we kind of made it worse. Really quick, this is broadcaster Golf Papa 6, Bravo Echo Alpha, at Kilo Charlie 4, Triple Alpha, Double Alpha Foxtrot. How? I can see that being a question you might ask. Well... They told me they're hearing it too. They had been writing it off as nerves, just as I had. Then I had to go and tell them it sounded like someone was talking, and instead of brushing my concerns away, it made them worry I was right. I want to be clear here. Neither of us have heard actual words. Something I think we can all agree is a good thing. 
but there were voices. These voices sound like they're far away, talking to one another. There are voices for sure, though. I told Harper that I think it was just the way the wind is hitting us, and they disagreed. They told me it sounds different than it did last year. The winds sound different. It never sounded like this. And then they pointed out that the wind should be growing less intense as we head into the spring, not more. The winds are definitely getting worse right now. I figure, why the hell not? The rest of the planet is doing things out of the ordinary. How is it going to be different down here? The climate scientist says that they agree with that, but they think it's more than that. Plus, everything we've heard about so far, other than the planes, sounds like it's seismological. All this is related to weather and climate, so that's a pretty good argument. It is different from everything else going on. I hadn't really thought about the implications of that until Harper pointed it out. Right now, we're keeping our thoughts about the wind talking to ourselves. No need to spread that around and make others feel uncomfortable. Or allow people to leverage our speculation against us. But I think we're going to keep our eyes and ears open. See if anything else happens. Hopefully it's only that we're both jumpy. I mean, we wouldn't be with everything else that's happening. We've got to keep it together and be smart about this too. We're in a base full of scientists. We start talking about voices, and no one's going to take us seriously. We hardly take ourselves seriously. So for now, it's between the two of us, and not going any further. Well, the two of us and all of you listening to me right now. But you're not going to tell anyone here now, are you? I know some of you have been asking about the plane from Amundsen Scott Station. The one that was mysteriously almost out of fuel when it got here. I didn't have a lot of news about it last time, but I have some updates now. First of all, I need to get this out of the way. The plane that flies between Amundsen Scott and McMurdo won't make it to Christchurch. That's not an option. The flight between the South Pole and Ross Island is only three hours. The one between Ross Island and New Zealand is five to nine hours long. Depends on factors like the kind of plane being used and weather conditions. Anyway, there are enough people who know planes here and have told me that the planes we have on the continent right now are not big enough to get us back. Any of them. There have been discussions along the lines of we could alter this, that, or the other thing, and then maybe it would work? Emphasis placed heavily on the maybe. We do have potential options. Don't get me wrong. It could happen. That's very possible. But for now, we don't want to try. Not unless we have to. I do think some of the engineers are plotting and working on what they need to just in case we need to lift some people out of here in a pinch. But for the time being, we're all operating as if there's no way we could get back to anywhere with lots of people. Anyway, I bring all this up because of the plane that almost didn't make it here in the first place. 
Like I said before, there's nothing wrong with it. There have been a few more inspections since I first brought it up, but they've all been equally as inconclusive. There's no reason that the plane should have just been out of fuel. No physical reason, at least. So, that leaves human error, right? You would think so, but there were a number of people who checked on it before it left and said it was fine. It had the fuel it needed to make it here. Sometimes people make mistakes, but a whole string of them? Making the same mistake? And I don't think anyone would have lied about it. Not about something that important. Much less that many people lying about it. Unfortunately, it's still mysterious. How did a plane that was entirely full of fuel and ready to go suddenly not have enough to reach its destination? One of the plane engineers, someone named Felix, said that there was something else going on too. He said that the plane seemed as though it had traveled further than it did. He said the wear and tear was consistent with the trip way longer and way more difficult than the trip between the two stations. I didn't hear this from him, though. I heard this from Blake. But Blake insisted that Felix said he hadn't thought anything of the degradation of the plane until he remembered that the people at Amundsen Scott Station had worked on that specific plane over the winter. It was supposed to be like new. And here it was, looking more run down than it had the last time Felix had seen it. So he and some others gave it another once over. It wasn't anything that would explain less fuel or the state of the plane, but it was clear. It had been rode hard and put up wet, so to speak. That's a direct quote. I promise you I'm not going to start talking like a cowboy for shits and giggles. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell myself. Why would a whole station's crew lie about what they were doing all winter. They wouldn't. So something happened to this plane and we don't know what. Because there wasn't enough we didn't have an answer to. We needed something more to confuse us. Look, I'm tired. We all are. There's a lot going on. We'll figure it all out. Don't worry. Please don't worry. I'm not explaining this to raise alarm. I'm just telling you the facts as we currently have them. I'll tell you the new facts when they come in too. So, yeah. Don't respond with a whole lot of conspiracy theories, please. And don't freak out, okay? Just, if you need to help me, just try to get in touch with Southern California and Rhode Island. That's all I need. I'm going to go now. I've got more work to do, and I need to check and see if anyone else is broadcasting anything important. I'm sure someone is. And I need to pass on anything I learned to everyone else, so that's all for now. This is Broadcaster Golf Papa 6, Bravo Echo Alpha, Kilo Charlie 4, Triple Alpha, Double Alpha Foxtrot, signing out. It Grows Dark is written by Jenna M. Pittman and produced by Jared Aiken. 
theme song and score are by Define.Human. More of their work can be found at linktree.com slash define.human. The voice of Bryn is Jared Aiken. The voice of the wind is Titi. The voice of the credits is Jake Page. Artwork by Ada Christensen. Social media is managed by Ali Lustig. Script help by Ryan Krantz and Misirlu Pika. If you like what you're hearing and want to connect with us, please reach out via social media, our website, or Discord server, all of which can be found in the show notes or at linktree.com slash itgrowsdark. For more direct access, please send all questions or concerns to itgrowsdark at gmail.com. Fun fact. Antarctica is home to nearly 400 known subglacial lakes, lakes so salty that despite the fact they are located within and underneath glaciers, they do not freeze. It is hypothesized that due to their long isolation, unique life forms may live within them. Thank you for listening, and stay safe.